Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. Man, aren't you thankful for what God did on the cross? Aren't you grateful for what God did on the cross? Aren't you thankful for what Jesus did for you? Come on. He died for you. He was broken for you. Man, with that same attitude, with that same spirit, I want to turn into the main passage of today. The main verses of today is found in the book of Psalms, chapter 34, verses 15 to 18. If you have a Bible, go ahead and pull it out. If you're taking notes, go ahead and write it down. If you didn't bring a Bible to church today, we have a Bible behind me. You can read along. But if you brought a Bible, turn to the book of Psalms, chapter 34. Verse 15 to 18. Man, this is such a wonderful passage. This is such a beautiful moment. Um, today's sermon is actually going to connect right along with Holy Communion. And it's just an awesome time. Before I continue, uh, we have some very important people, some VIPs in the house today. And uh, man, if it is your first time joining us, your second time, if you're just kind of visiting us today, we want to recognize you and welcome you. So on the count of three, I don't want you to shout your, shout your hand up. I, I just kind of want to celebrate you. So church, on the count of three, if you're next to a visitor, if you're around one, or if you're in the room, on the count of three, I'm just asking you to just make some noise. Make them feel welcome. Come on. One, two, three. Come on, church. Let's do it. Welcome home to all of our guests. We love you. Thank you for joining us. It means the world. It means the world that you would take of your time to be with us. And um, thank you to the church members that brought friends to church today. That's the culture we have at New Birth. And we're always bringing people to church, always showing him, showing others what God did in our lives. So let's go to the book of Psalms, chapter 34. Again, we're done with some at New Birth, so today's kind of like a standing on topic. And I'm talking in the idea of being crushed. It says in the book of Psalms, chapter 34, verses 15 to 18. Listen, these, these verses can minister to you right here, right now. They can preach to you right here. Here we go. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Woo, any righteous people in the house this morning? Anybody righteous in the sight of God? Amen. So, so the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Woo, his ears are attentive to their cry. In other words, God isn't like, sometimes we pray and we feel like we're a voice in the crowd. We feel like it's a Sunday morning, and we're all yelling, and maybe God will hear me. Maybe God, you know, I'm just a voice in the crowd. I'm just someone amongst the group. But that is not true. You see, our God, he is looking at you. He is leaning in to exactly what you're saying, exactly when you need it. That's the God we serve. You're not just a voice in the crowd. You're not just one amongst many. Although we, although we gather kind of congregationally every single week in community, come on, God still ministers to you individually. He still speaks to you. He still loves you, and he's still listening. So, man, the eyes of the Lord. So, God is watching new birth. God is on you. He's watching you. Not only is he watching you, but the word says that he leans in. He is listening to your words. He is listening to your heart's cry. Those moments when you're driving and you're too broken to continue, the moments at your job where you're too crushed to move forward, God is with you. His eyes are on you, and his ear is leaning in to your heartbreak, to your moment of crushing, to your moment of disappointment. God is leaning in to his church, and it gets better. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to blot out their name from the earth. The righteous, I love this, the righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. 
He delivers them from all of their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Can I tell you, church, God's eyes are on you. God is laser beam focused on your life. God is looking at you every step of your life. You see, we're not a church that believes that God's only looking at us on Sundays. You came to the wrong church. We're not a church that believes that God's only looking at you at hope groups. You came to the wrong church. We believe a God that is looking at you every single second of your life. Not just on Sundays when you look pretty and the makeup song and well, what a beautiful name. He's also there on Mondays when you're broken. He's there on Tuesdays when you're tired and you feel like giving up and it's hard to worship. He's there on Wednesdays days when people around you are shooting him down. God is looking at you and he's saying, go ahead. You're the church now, not only in the house, but outside the house. You see, we're a portable church. What does that mean? We come here at seven in the morning every Sunday. We set everything up and we break it down. You know what that's taught me as a young person in church? You know what that's taught me? It's taught me a lesson that the church is not four walls. The church is you. You are the church. If you come to church today, the church came. If you don't come to church, there's no church because it's not Osceola High School. The church of new birth is every single one of you. Every single one of you, you're the church. And God's eyes are on you. His eyes are on you. We don't come to church to, to be the church, we are the church. That's who we are. We don't decide if we can go to church this Sunday. We are the church. The church, I am who the church is. I'm coming. I'm believing. I'm moving forward. And I understand that God's eyes are on me. God's eyes are on me. Can I tell you, it wasn't always like that. God didn't always have his eyes on you 24-7. God had his eyes on you, on humanity, when we were made right with him. Right? So the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, before Jesus, there was this covenant that man had with God, the Old Covenant. And you had to do some things to be righteous in the sight of God. You had to get some animals and do some things. Here's the problem. We have moved after Jesus, and people are still doing things to be righteous. Like, you don't get righteousness based on what you do, based on how, we learned this from the Pharisees, based on how much you study the word, based on how much you know about angels and demons, that does not deem you righteous. What deems you righteous is faith in Jesus. What deems you righteous is saying, God, I'm going to accept the payment. I'm going to accept the bridge. I'm going to trust and have faith in Jesus who gives me righteousness. God's eyes are on the righteous, those who have faith in Jesus. And sometimes we get the equation wrong. We take a New Testament blessing with Old Testament thinking. We take a New Testament covenant with an Old Testament mentality. And we think, God, can I do stuff to feel you? Can I do some things to experience you? If I do this and if I do that, will you see me as righteous? If I go to church X amount of days, it's not so much about performance. It's about a soul transformation happening in your heart. You got to be a person believing in Jesus. And God's eyes are on the righteous. His eyes are on the righteous. What is the word righteous? That's a church word for right or just. Righteous in the sight of God. You do not gain righteousness any other way than trusting and believing in Jesus. His attention is on you. What does that mean? It, it wasn't always on you. Can I tell you? God's attention used to be on those who were only righteous, completely righteous. Can I tell you in 2 Corinthians, can we throw the verse up? 2 Corinthians verse 5 and 21. 
It says, as God made him who had no sin, talking about Jesus, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us that in him we might become, keep it up, the righteousness of God. What does that mean? That, that we, we couldn't be called righteous because of that sin. We, we couldn't get the sin thing away, right? Like since Adam and Eve, there's been like every human's been born into this world of sin, right? So we got this sinful nature, right? We got that part of us that we don't show everyone in church. Come on, somebody. The part that only your kids see. Come on, the part that only your friends see. Come on, you got that part of you, right? That sinful nature that you kind of like to dip in outside of church and outside in different communities. And God is like, listen, your righteousness isn't deemed by who's seeing you, by how you're acting. Your righteousness is only accredited through faith in Jesus. And this verse puts it so clearly. It puts it so plain. It's that God made Jesus who was perfect and blameless. He didn't die for sin, but come on, he became sin. Wait a minute. He became sin. So that sin you did yesterday night, Jesus became that on the cross. The sin that we sometimes run to, the sin you do whenever, whenever you have those sins you run to, understand Jesus became those sins. He didn't just become sin for a moment come on he stepped into the embodiment of sin on the cross to the point in scripture very controversial point in scripture people say well how could this happen God turns his head he turns his face from Jesus in a moment you guys know Jesus is on the cross father why have you why have you forsaken me why have you taken your eyes off of me? And I just, I can imagine the story being complete in my head. Come on, God took his eyes off Jesus for a moment so that his eyes can be on you for forever, for eternity. He said, I'm going to put all of your sins, all of your dirt, all of your shame. Jesus died not only for today's sins, but for yesterday's sins, today's sins, and tomorrow's sins. All those sins of the world, the past world, the present world, and the future world were bearing on Jesus' shoulders. He didn't just take sin and burden it, but come on, he became sin. And in just a moment, in just one time in history, God the Father takes his eyes off of Jesus. So now we can look at the book of Psalms and we can understand what God is saying when he says, listen, I am looking at you. I am thinking about you. My ears are listening to you. I have not turned away. I turned away from Jesus. I will never turn away from you. I will never turn my back on you. What a love Jesus has for us. What a grace that he's always keeping his eyes on us. My next point tonight is this. My righteousness is accredited through Jesus. Not through works. Not through religion. Not by how many Hillsong albums you own. Your righteousness is accredited through faith in Jesus. Amen. Can I get a stronger amen this morning? And here's the truth. Sometimes we approach the throne room of God and, and, and kind of like this, oh, God, don't look at me. If you ever talk to a lot of people who don't go to church, a lot of times they say, hey, I don't go to church because I, I got to get some things right. You ever heard that, that response before, asking someone in church? I can't go. I, I got to fix myself up to then present myself holy. I got to fix myself up to, to look a certain way. But man, you got to catch it right there. Listen, you'll never be good enough on your own. How can a hurt person heal themselves? How can someone who's in sickness 
give themselves the cure. You're not the cure. You never find a cure. The only cure to your sin disease is Jesus Christ. Come on, he'll wipe it away. He'll give you a new future. You got to understand that we need to walk to God with a bit more boldness. We need to go to the, the throne room of God with our knees on the floor and our hands lifted up saying, God, I understand what your son did for me. I will not walk to you in shame, but I'll walk to you understanding the truth of Jesus' sacrifice. He covered for me. He died for me. And he did what I couldn't do. So what's, what's our job? If I can't pay for my sin, it just comes from believing in Jesus. If I can't become righteous, it just comes through faith in Jesus. Then what's my job? What's, what's my job? Here's, here, here's the answer in Psalms 91, verse 14 and 15. Man, I hope this is the story of your life. It says, if you hold on. Somebody say if. Somebody say if. Can I tell you, your spiritual growth is only hinged on your ability to be on the other side of that if. Your spiritual growth is hinged on your ability to be on the other side of that if. If you want Jesus, if you want blessing, if you want abundance, if you want God to move in your life, if you want God to be with you, if you want the presence of God to move with you every day, every moment, here's what you must do. You must hold on to me. Hold on to me. Man, your prayers should feel like you're holding on to God. Your worship should feel like, God, I cannot move a moment without you. I need to reach. I need to hold on. Because you're how I get my righteousness. You're, how I'm, you're the reason why I'm able to come to God. It's because of Jesus. And God says, if you would just hold on to me, can I tell you, you'll last in 2018 if you just hold on to Jesus. Come on, you'll be someone who doesn't fade in and out of the church, but you'll stay stagnant. Come on, you'll stay rooted in the house of God when you understand the beauty of just holding on. What if that was your life story? What, was that your, what, if that, what if that was your next testimony, that you just held on long enough? Come on, that you just held on to God long enough. Through thick and thin, you just kept holding on. When everyone said to walk away from church and walk away from Jesus because your bank account's not bigger because your family's not actually healed because God's not doing what he's supposed to do you should walk away but that's not the church we're building up that's not the faith community I want to be a part in I want to be a part of a faith community that is holding on to God every single day every moment we live with that desperation God I need to hold on to you he doesn't say just hold on it gets crazy I'll get out of it I'll get you out of any trouble I'll, hold, I'll give you the best care if you only get to what? To know and trust me. So as you hold, you understand the God that you're holding on to. You understand to know him. Not only do you begin to know him, but you begin to trust him. You begin to understand that he's working in every moment and in every season. So that brings, that brings a believer to a place where we understand my righteousness, that doesn't come from me. That comes from Jesus. My sin being forgiven doesn't come from me. It comes from believing in Jesus. My job is to hold on for dear life. I mean, Cliff, Tom Cruise type holding on. Like the last thing. I'm going to hold on to God with everything I have. And it's then that I'll begin to know and trust him. My next point is this. Righteousness for mankind came through the crushing of Jesus. Righteousness for mankind. Listen, for God to make you righteous, it didn't come easy. It was a bloody win. For God to, for God to do his job and, and make you righteous in this, when he looks at you, he doesn't see sin and dirt, but he sees his church. He sees righteous, right? That didn't come easy. That came with Jesus literally being broken, literally being destroyed. Like when you're abiding that 
bread earlier. I want you to imagine that being Jesus whipped, like literally broken for you, like literally dying for you. Like the Bible says, there's no greater love than this, a love than a friend laying his life down for another. You got shown the craziest kind of love when you didn't even know God, when you didn't even believe in God, when you were wrapped in addiction and sin, when you were walking your own way. Come on, you got a past. You got a story. You got a sin you run to. When you walked in that direction, God still loved you. He was still dying for you, thinking about you. And righteousness came through the crushing of Jesus. I heard a theologian say this. He was crushed. I mean, like, no, you don't understand. Jesus was destroyed. There's one thing to be beaten, and there's another thing to be beaten, knowing you can do something about it. One thing if people tie you down, my uncles used to do this. If you're an uncle, please stop tickling and tacking your little nephews and nieces. It will scar them. I'm scarred. A lot of moments in my life I was confined by my uncles. They just lay on me and tickle attack me, right? Just tickling, tickling, tickling. And I was just like, I can't take it no more. Get off of me. Right? I don't know where I was going with that. Righteousness for mankind came through the crushing of Jesus. Amen? I'm kidding. So I was being crushed, right? And I'm, I'm on, he's on top of me. He's holding me down. And he's not letting me go. And it came to a point where I was just scarred. I was like, I, I have a problem with, like, tight spaces. I'm claustrophobic. I think it came from that. Amen? It came from that, I, I think. And they hold me down. And I just asked to break free. I'm really trying to act, see how that connected. I was going somewhere. Amen. Righteousness for mankind came through. The crushing of Jesus. Amen. Yeah, thank you. So I can't do nothing about it. I'm being crushed. I'm being, thank you, Jonathan. I'm being held down. And here's the truth. I can't do nothing about it. I couldn't do anything about it. It hurt me. I would laugh. I would like laugh till I cried. You ever laugh till you cried? It's like an awesome moment and it turns to like, this, I'm just, I'm losing it every time I talk about it. Lord, help me. I couldn't do anything about it. And, and the truth is, is that Jesus when he was being whipped, when he was being beaten, it's not like he couldn't do anything about it. In a moment, he could have made everyone disappear. In a moment, he could have healed himself and flew to heaven. So I'm done with fighting for people that probably won't even listen to me. I'm done fighting for people that probably won't even love me. I'm done fighting for people who go their whole life in and out of church and not really loving me for who I am. I should walk away now because there's only a few of them that's going to love me. But that's not what Jesus did. He said, I'm going to endure it. Although at any moment I can escape. The Bible says that before he got taken to Calvary, he was in a room. And, and, and if you study what happened, the, the exact amount of people that were around Jesus ranges from 200 to 300 soldiers that were beating him, punching him. They put a crown of thorn on his head, and they beat the crown, and they spit on him, and they said, if you're God, escape. If you're God, do something. But Jesus was fulfilling the, the, the prophecy in the book of Isaiah when it said that the Savior of the world, the one who comes to bring change, will be quiet. He will not defend himself. He will not stand up against those that are around him. And God is sending a message that at any moment, Jesus could escape. At any moment, Jesus could have actually freed himself from the bondage and the whips, but he endured it with you in mind. He stuck it through with you in mind. He kept it going with you in mind. Man, that does something to him. Jesus wasn't only crushed physically, man, he was destroyed mentally. Even the point before he goes to the cross, before he gets taken, he is in, uh, he's in a garden, he kneels down, he said, God, if there's any other way, can I walk that way? There's any, 
God, I know what's ahead of me, and I don't want to do that. If there's any way you could remove it, Lord, remove it. He's crushed for you. He was broken for you. Literally walking to his death. Jesus, next point, Jesus was destroyed for you instead of you because of you. Jesus was destroyed in every aspect. He was destroyed instead of you because of you. And that's why we do Holy Communion. That's why Jesus says, do this as often as you can, as much as you can. Gather in a community, eat some bread, and understand that that was my body being crushed for you. Drink a cup of grape juice. Drink it. That's the blood that was poured out for you. Listen, we're not a part of a religious occult when we do that. We're literally saying, God, I remember what you did for me. I remember what you did for me. Man, can I tell you, Holy Communion isn't one Sunday a month. Holy Communion has to be every day of your life, every moment, every waking moment. God, thank you for what you did for me because I contend to forget what you've done and just live in expectance of what you want to do and what I want you to do. But Lord, right here, right now, I make a commitment. I make a statement and I stand up and I say, Lord, I'm grateful. Thank you for being crushed for me. Jesus was crushed, next point, so that God can turn his attention back on us. Jesus was crushed. Jesus took all the wrath. He took the beating. Come on, we don't go to hell when we die, but we have a hope and a future and a heaven. That's because of Jesus. And Jesus was beaten, broken, and crushed. But the moment that happened, God turned his eyes to you. And he says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And my eyes are on you eyes are on you. Let's go back to that verse, Psalms 34. Let's go to verse 17. The righteous cry out. Righteous not because of what they've done, but because of what my son did. Righteous cry out and the Lord hears them and he delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Jesus was crushed so that when you're crushed, God can look at you. Jesus was destroyed so that when your world gets broken down, God is looking at you. Have you ever really been hurt before? Have you been hurt before? I mean, like really hurt, like to the bottom, like just broken, like I don't know how I'm going to move on. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get past this. Like, I don't know how me and my family are going to jump over this. Like, I don't see a way out. I don't know how it's going to happen. You ever been hurt by the church before? You ever been hurt by a, a, a leader before or a friend? Man, it just hurts so much. And you get crushed. And you get broken, man. And we can live. We, we can live kind of hard. We can tend to walk in bitterness. We could tend to, to try to move on in our own way, but God's like, no, 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 no. In that broken place, that's where I meet you. In that crushing moment of your life, my ears are on you and my eyes are on you. And I can hear your every cry and I'm close to the crushed. 
and I'm close to the brokenhearted because the path that I took to the cross was not an easy one. I did it for you. The Christian life doesn't mean you don't experience crushing. It means that you have someone to go to when you're crushed. The Christian life doesn't mean it's only mountaintops and, and it's only glory to glory. Listen, there's going to be some valleys, but God makes a promise. He says, I will walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death. Fear no evil because my eyes are on you, because my heart is on you, because I'm listening to you. Come on, we got to start calling on God more. We got to start raising up our voices a bit more. We got to start getting into prayer with a bit more confidence that God is watching me, that God is listening to me, and that he knows that I'm going through what I'm going through. Man, he loves you. Can I tell you, gratefulness will change your perspective. Like if you walked with gratefulness, like God, every single day I love you. God, I need you. God, you're the apple in my eye. God, you everything I ever wanted. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have the job I have. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be mad in my car because you gave me this car. You gave me this breath. Come on. I'm going to give you two minutes to just thank God for what he's done in your life. I'm going to give you two minutes to lift your hands and say, God, I'm thankful. I'm thankful thankful for what you've done. I will not live being ungrateful. I will be grateful for what you've done for me. You were crushed. You were crushed for me. He was crushed for you. Man, he didn't just die for you. He was broken for you. He was crushed for you. Man, are you broken? Are you crushed? Because God is so close to you. Can I tell you, you look the most like Jesus when you're crushed. You look the most like Jesus with scars on your arm and on your leg. You look the most like Jesus. God is looking at you. He's saying, my eyes are on you. My ears are listening. I'm close to you than you can never think. I'm close to you than you can never even imagine. And man, he's weighing on you this morning. He's weighing on you this morning. Man, we got to walk in gratefulness gratefulness. Thank you, God, for what you've done in my life. I should not be standing here. I shouldn't be on this altar. I shouldn't be here today looking cute with a nice car in the parking lot. Lord, thank you for doing something in my life. Lord, you changed me. Lord, you reached me, and you gave me this reckless love that I did not deserve. Isn't that the gospel? For God so loved the world, he crushed his son. Whoever has faith in Jesus will be seen as righteous in the sight of God. We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about New Birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.